Welcome to the Creative Photo Booth Podcast, an informational podcast with a weekly dose of topics on how to level up your photo booth business. Join us as we dive deeper into the photo booth industry and talk about how to stand out in a flooded market, set trends, and create a unique client experience. I'm Katie. And I'm Sarah. And we're your hosts. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 19 of the Creative Photo Booth Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about contracts and interviewing Caroline Fox, owner of CJ Fox Law and Engage Legal, which is an educational resource and contract shop. I'm here with both Katie and Caroline today. Say hi, guys. Hey, Hey. everyone. So excited (laughs) to have Caroline here. For those of you who don't know, Caroline is my lawyer here in Richmond, as well as a personal friend of mine. I am so excited to have you on, Caroline, to talk about contracts. And I think they can be very intimidating for small business owners if you don't have a lawyer to help you create one. So I think this is going to be a really great topic, you know, to save someone more heartache down the road for not having one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So Caroline, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got started and what you do. What is Engaged Legal and CJ Fox Law? Sure. Absolutely. So I started off, um, I went to law school, always knew that I wanted to work in some sort of uh, creative industry. Always thought I was going to be advertising or PR because that's where I, I was like my undergraduate, what I thought I wanted to do until I pulled the L Woods <laughs> coming out of law school <laughs> or coming out of college. Um, so... I came back, I, I worked in Manhattan for a little bit and came back to Virginia, started my own law practice. And I knew that I wanted to work with this. Which person. is amazing. Well, it's, you know, when you're younger, it's a little bit of naivety and just kind of being like, whatever, I'll just do it, you know? Yeah. So um glad that I did it at that point in my life because I don't know. It, I don't know if I'd do it now. I don't know if I'd be brave enough anymore. Um, but I noticed like after practicing that there's this big gap between having a lawyer, like when you need a lawyer and when you actually get one. Um, and I had kind of carved out my little hole in the wedding industry. Like that was the big client base I was serving at that point. And so I was like, all right, well, how do we kind of address this situation? (laughs) Because people are scared to go talk to a lawyer. They're scared. Exactly. Well, I think, you know, the common (laughs) thing is we feel like we have to put you on retainer Yeah. and for a small business owner, that's super intimidating. For sure. I mean, it's so technically a retainer um, is a fee that you pay to somebody just to say, like, yep, I'm your lawyer. Right. And then, like, That's nothing crazy. else. Yeah, it is. It's pretty crazy. And I mean, if you think about it from a bigger law firm's perspective, like, maybe it makes sense because when we represent you, that means we can't represent, you know, X number of mm-hmm. other people because of conflicts of interest. Yeah. But it, for small business, it doesn't make sense. Like, it right. just. So there's a lot of people who are trying to kind of change the game and like modify legal so that it's affordable again, so that um, small business owners can actually get in there and be protected. protected. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So the game's changing a little bit and I'm, I'm trying to help as well. Hopefully we're doing it. With Engage Legal. Yeah. So explain that a little bit. Like what is that? Absolutely. So Engage Legal is, 
It is a event professional, wedding event professionals focused online educational resource and template shop. So we have uh, the bulk of what we offer are like articles on legal stuff, like whatever you have questions about. Sometimes we'll tackle some tax topics. Sometimes we'll tackle um, some PR topics as well. Just anything that kind of intersects with all that stuff you need to know. And then our big offering is contract templates. Right. Um, For specific pieces in the wedding industry, like wedding planners, photo booth owners, photographers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That kind of thing is cool. Yeah. Just specifically focused on them because it's such a high conflict area. Yeah. Right. And it's, I mean, I think, was it the not or somebody just released their 2018 or 2019 uh, wedding industry figures. And I think it's like a $1.7 billion industry. Wow. And then the average, yeah, it's like the average cost of a wedding in the United States is $30,000. And that's not chump change. That's a lot of money. There's a lot on the line, a lot of expectations. It's a one-time thing. So the potential for conflict and the potential for conflict is high. Potential for messing up is high. And it's a business to consumer. So you've got it's not like a B2B where businesses are a little bit more flexible, but it's a B2C where the consumer has very high expectations for yeah. what they are Yeah, they're today. investing their money into you. Exactly. And then living in the age of Pinterest and Instagram where everything's perfect, which like as much as we love those <laughs> platforms, it's also like, oh, if everything's not like exactly right, the lighting, the filters, all that, and you turn around everything in one day. Which side note is why our you know, topic about setting the client expectations is so important. Yeah. You know, setting those expectations ahead of time can really help you in the long run legally. Yeah, for sure. Because then you don't have an angry client on the back end being like, oh, well, like it's been two months. Why don't I have my pictures? Yeah. Like, well, well, I mean, for photographers or videographers, usually it's like, well, because it takes a while. Right. So yeah. you have to let them know that, set the expectations because, you know, disappointment only comes from having one expectation that was not fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know? And the wedding day hangover is real. Like people oh, get yeah. really like sad after it's over. <laughs> right. And so then they're like looking for something else. Right. So the next mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I want to get started, you know, kind of talking about contracts. Let's do it. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about contracts for small business owners. So to get started, what is your advice to small business owners who don't have a lawyer and don't know where to start for obtaining a professional contract? Absolutely. It's always going to be best for you. Like anytime, anywhere, it's always going to be best to get a lawyer in your state, in your area, in your locality who knows how things work because like, Unfortunately, for everyone, nothing's standard. No one talks, no government agencies talk, no, like from county to county, rules are different, which is just blows my mind. Like, as someone who likes efficiency, it just it is bizarre. I've experienced that trying to set when I was setting up my business. Yeah. Yeah. It's different, even from just like the county that I'm in to the city here. Yeah. And, and no one talks. Like, when I was getting my license, they're like, hey, you need to literally call you know, the state corporation and make sure that your business name is not already registered. And I'm like, well, shouldn't you know that? Like, can't you just type in your computer and type in my name and see if it comes up? And no, that's not how it works. Yeah. They're <laughs> ridiculous. It's they technically they could have done that for you. Oh, like, really? They were just being assholes. No, and it's sorry. like that 12 step process for everything. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so no one talks like the IRS doesn't talk to this state tax. It's crazy. But wow. 
Um, so what I would say is that's why it's always good to get somebody local. Um, but you may not find somebody local who knows your industry. And then that's another problem Mm -hmm. because creative industry is so quickly changing. And like, especially with weddings, you don't want your contract to be so aggressive that you're scaring off potential clients. Right. I know when we kind of made my contract, we did one that was like corporate Mm -hmm. sounding and then one that was like a little nicer Mm -hmm. for, you know, but still like stuck to the point. But the the language was definitely softened a little bit. Yeah. The language is softer when you're dealing with wedding events, but then when you're dealing with corporate, like, again, that's a B2B situation. So a lot of And they usually have contract agents to look at the contracts who understand the language, whereas a bride and groom are like, they don't understand don't this understand. clause or that clause. And they don't care about a lot of stuff. Right. Like that and it's not going to be the same problem. Like for corporate, if you're doing say you work with you're doing a holiday party for a Fortune five hundred company, you know, they're gonna have a lot more concerns about like liability and indemnity and copyright right. transfers than a bride and whoever, bride and bride, groom, groom, whoever you're working with. Right. Um they're not gonna care as much about that, but they're gonna care a lot more about turnaround time, you know, that right. kind of thing. So um, figuring out your target audience and speaking to them directly is even important at contracts and start and making that client journey through your contract. Again, it's, it's an important thing that maybe lawyers who are not as familiar with the industry might not understand. Yeah. Which is hard because it's also like, okay, where do I find a lawyer in my area that does specialize in this? Which is why right. I'm so thankful for you. Because I'm like, you are in my area and (laughs) you specifically speak to the wedding and events industry, you know? It's been a really good industry for me. People have been really nice and welcoming when I was a just a young little green lawyer starting out. Yeah. No, I love it. I feel like it would be different for me in California because there are certain laws per state, right? Yeah. And California is a doozy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) But the good thing is there are a lot more people who are starting to realize the importance of niching down as Mm -hmm. an attorney because a lot of, I mean, even five, 10 years ago, you had most people being just general business practitioners. It was like, no, I serve everyone and do everything. Yeah. And I think that doesn't apply to everyone. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so in a lot of industries, you're seeing people niche down a lot more, but um, there are, and we've, a couple of the like more creative minded attorneys and I, we've started like starting a list of like, okay, this person's in this state, this person's in this state. So it's like, if you reach out to us, maybe we can't help you, but we can send you somewhere. That's really good to know. We're trying. We're working really hard. I'd say we have like 50% of the states filled in. Well, that's good. Yeah. We're working on it. So I want to ask you, what should a photo booth owner definitely have in their contract then? Absolutely. And I was thinking about this on the way here because I was like, I know this is a question they're going to ask me. (laughs) Um, The biggest thing, and this is what I try to drive home every time I talk to any, any person anywhere. So no matter what, you just have to be so, you have to be specific. You have to say who, what, when, where, why, how, how many, how much. And if you're asking yourself those questions, you're going to be able to like peel back those onion layers and set your expectations, explain exactly what you're providing and explaining like all the things that your client needs to know. So you have to kind of walk into a B2C client relationship, business to consumer, business to customer, um, thinking that they are going to expect everything from the most high end photo booth company 
that you have seen on Instagram, Pinterest times two, mm-hmm. because they see stuff and they're going to think like, oh, they did this immediately. They have this, 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 and this. The, the, you know, the best of the best, you have to be prepared to deliver that, or you have to explain like, this is the level of service that you're getting and here's yeah. why and here's how. So I say like, who's providing the services? If they've really connected with you personally as like a brand owner, you know, and you're not going to be there, you're sending your team, you need to tell them that you're sending your team. Okay. What exactly are you providing? Are you providing a photo booth, a selfie booth? What props do you provide? How many do you provide? Like, do they get to pick them? Do they not? What mm-hmm. happens if certain ones aren't available? Um, when are you getting there? What's your setup time look like? Yeah. How long are you there? How long are you operating? Do you have idle time? What if the booth breaks down? What if the booth breaks down? We were just talking yeah. about that. Um, I know in our contract, we do have a clause where it says, you know, for our DSLR photo booth, 90% of the time it will be running. But if anything were to happen or we have to change out printer paper or whatever it is, technical difficulties, we have 10% of that time to actually fix the photo booth or any issues that we are having during the event and that, you know, that's okay. And then with the selfie stand, we do 80% of the time you know, runtime and then 20% to diagnose and fix mainly because this is a drop-off photo booth and not, you know, we're not on site. So we need a little more time just to, you know, take care of any of those technical issues, you know. Which is really important because, you know, we work with technology and it can be predictable and unpredictable, you know, kind oh, of technology on, can fail us at yeah. any point, you know, or yeah. there's no I, Wi-Fi or we're in a remote yeah, exactly. location. <laughs> right. So as, it's very important. As someone who has literally had a computer shoot fire out the back of it and scorch <laughs> the wall, like, yes, for sure. <laughs> Which could happen. Something else that's really important to put in your contract is you need to have model releases in there. Yep. Um, and then this is something that I want to talk to with like the creators of photo booths in general. It's just like, you need to have a checkbox that says like, they need to have it built in somewhere that says like, yeah. yes, model release, cool. You can use right. my pick. Um, mm-hmm. That's another, you know, hill I'm, I'm going to go die on somewhere else. Yeah. But, um, it's, it, you need that's to a huge conversation. Release. Yeah. It's a huge conversation that needs to be happening. So I, I think model lease is really difficult. And this was actually one of the questions that we have in our short Q&A that we wanted to kind of do at the end. Um, just because, you know, in our contract, we have a model release, but I think it's safe to say, you know, you have to assume your bride and groom or your client cannot sign off on people in the photos. They can agree to defend you if someone was to try to sue you, but, mm-hmm. you know, they can't just say, yeah, use any photo of anyone at my event. And you're good because you don't have the signature from that actual person, you know, giving you the model release. And so we have, for that reason, I think a lot of photo booth owners, we, we do specifically for our photo booth, we have a clause like on our photo booth, but at the same time, it's small and no one's taking the time to go up and read it. You know what I mean? So I think model releases are just one of those things where if someone at the end of the day asks you to take down a photo, you have to take it down. Mm -hmm. And if someone wants to see you, you have to kind of deal with it. You know. Right. And that's, you know, when we were working on your contract, I know we talked about that a little bit. It was, okay, just so you know, you know, even this company, this, if it's corporate, the company can't, well, kind of can't really sign off on their employees, definitely not their employees, significant others. And then for bridal or groomal, um, just, <laughs> they, weddings, just yeah. weddings in general, they can't 
sign off on their guests. And that's a problem for videographers and cinematographers as well. But I think with photo booth being what it is and, and having those, the majority of the images have people in there that are not signatories on the contract or people that have signed the contract. That's definitely a problem. And then, you know, Sarah, even being in LA, I'm sure that you've had famous people come through and you're oh, yeah. dealing with them. And mm-hmm. um, so having those issues, it's a delicate dance that you're not going to be able to completely get around. But having that indemnification provision, which says, hey, if I get sued, you agree to like <laughs> cover our legal costs right. and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, like you'll just, you're willing to, you know, help us and protect us because yeah. we're just trying to do this event for you. And we're just trying to do our thing. Trying to do our job. Yeah. Exactly. We want to market it and have a good time. And we hope that everyone's going to be cool about it. But in case someone wasn't, you'll agree to protect me. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah, For that reason, though, I will say I don't specifically use um, photos that are not of my friends or of myself in any kind of marketing materials that's not online. Mm-hmm. So I will not like use any client photos without permission from the actual people in the photos printed on flyers and things like that. Because yeah. once I print those, if they're out, you know, it's different when you can kind of take something offline. I know people say once it's online, it's on there forever. But if it's on my Instagram, I can delete it. Yeah. If it's on my website, I can delete it. If it's printed, I mean, it's printed. It's yeah. printed. It's you know? And it's, or it's out somebody, there forever. <laughs> yeah, it's out there forever. Or like one of my photographers that I worked with, another vendor printed one of their pictures on the side of a bus without asking. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't like use common sense. Yes. And do not do that. Just don't, don't without actual consent. And I mean, I have actual friends that I've actually gone to before I use, like if I do want to print something and I will email them and like, you know, or ask them in person. And even they're, they're my friends, but I'm, I still, Hey, is it cool to use this photo of you? Yeah. You know, and, and those are my so friends. Nice. And of course, they're like, absolutely. I love that. And they, yeah. you know, they, they're like, yeah, I want to be, you know, in your, in your photo. But even my friends, I'll ask because I'm a business. Yeah, you know, a business. You got to be protected. Yeah. And yeah. I, t- I tell people, like, if you know that there's a million dollar shot that you're like, oh my God, this is such a good pick. Right. You can flatter people and be like, you can either have something on your phone that's like sign off on this. Right. Book. Just be like, oh my God, I love this picture you just took. I can tell it's going to be really good. Is there any right. way that I could use this? Because like you guys look so great and I just like I'm always <laughs> looking for really good pictures. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Play it up. Just like play that up. Yeah. Oh my God. Usually I, people are more than willing to help you out. Yeah. But you should you get that in writing. Get it, it right in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. right. So <laughs> yeah. this, this weekend we actually have an event for – it's a celebrity wedding. We don't know who it is yet. We're still waiting on all the details, but that was one of the things that they did mention to us when they were booking. Um, is there some type of clause that we could put in the contract where, you know, we have the photos, but we need to ask for permission if we are posting any of these photos for any marketing purposes on Instagram or our website? Can we please put in a clause that we will get? you know, approvals before posting anything. There is going to be a ton of, I guess, celebrities at this wedding. So they don't they don't want us using all the photos, you yeah. know, for any marketing purposes. So we just have to make sure we are getting it approved if we do want to post a couple. So I know that 
that was also um, kind of what our friend was dealing with a couple weeks ago with a celebrity wedding that she just did as well. So is there something in the contract when it comes to using those photos that we should be putting in like specifically for those kinds of events? If they don't ask. If they don't ask for like a wedding, for a celebrity wedding. Yeah. yeah. You know, their people should know to ask. And like the higher up you get in luxury weddings, the mm-hmm. more um, this might happen. What about like, you know, someone like an influencer wedding? Because yeah. I mean, like this celebrity wedding that Sarah's dealing with, they knew to ask. But then you yeah. have influencers where some they're in between. They're yeah. not quite celebrity, but they're not quite average people. So right. they don't necessarily always know to ask. Good point. So if you – if they don't have a team and if they don't have people that like are managing their brand, um, you can always ask you, – you can you can ask. And that would be a good thing to do. Like me, my lawyer brain's like, well, if they don't have – Yeah, them, yeah. Right? You know? <laughs> um, if they sign off on your model release in your contract, like they should have read your contract. Like you need right. to have a model release period in your contract. And because mm-hmm. – then they'll read through it. If they don't sign off on it, if there's no model release, then like you don't get to use their image. They can ask you to take it down. You have to. If they've read through your contract and there's a model release and they're just like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I just didn't read your contract. Like that's kind of on them. Yeah. But at the same time, you want to keep a good relationship with them. Right. So maybe just point it out and be like, hey, you know, like I know that you really care about your brand. Um, we really care about ours too. And we want we're to super sure that- excited to share the photos. Yeah, we're super excited to share these photos. Like is there anything that – you want you can even ask it frame it like how do you want us to tag you what do you want us to hashtag uh, I like that that kind of thing and then it maybe always, you could put those in the contract yeah too. it draws their attention to it and you can always have people initial next to yeah. clauses that you really want to like have them zero in mm-hmm. on um, again if you make them initial every single clause they're probably just going to start like initially exactly. things and not reading them but that was actually one of my questions yeah. I was going to say how do you get people to initial but really, you want them to read the whole contract. Right. You know? And it's like... <sighs> That's one of the frustrating things. It yeah. is. I tend to try and... I, I honestly... I think I mentioned this, but like my background's in journalism, PR, like advertising, that kind of thing. So one of the things that I learned and that I try to do there is just make short paragraphs. Spread things out. Right. You know, that's what I do. And we did in our, my contract yeah. too. Yeah. Use your good copywriting skills. Yeah. Bold things every once in a while. Alternate between bolding and initialing if yeah. you need to. Um, the more you can make it easy for people to read, the better it will be. And they'll yeah, at least it scan it. They'll at least scan it. And like, yeah, maybe it'll be longer. Maybe it'll be like eight pages instead of six right. because of all the space. I'm pretty sure mine is. Yeah. Exactly. I think I have everything I could think of. Yeah, exactly. And it's, Usually my contracts are around eight pages. So yeah. we stayed in a pretty good space, but yeah. you want to make it easy for people to read and understand. Yeah. So I guess like one question on that topic though that I kind of was thinking about earlier was if people aren't initialing mm-hmm. and they just sign, mm-hmm. if you were to go to court, is there any kind of – would the judge have any kind of like, well, you didn't make them <laughs> initial? No, but there are things that they want to see that are really, really clear. Like technically, if you sign a contract, like you signed the contract, right? Right. Um, but there are, especially in California, because y'all are kind of the wild, wild west. I was going to say California yeah. sounds like a really <laughs> crazy, it's wild, crazy oh, state. Yeah. It's really European. And like I obviously <laughs> keep tabs on the East Coast more yeah. than the West Coast, but right. California, you just see stuff out of there all the time. You're oh, like, what's going on? Well, 
I'm in the Southern California Photo Booth Network group out here. And they're like, okay, there's four new laws passing for next year. Are you guys ready? Like, are you revamping your contracts? You know, there's just all these things where we're always What's an example? Watching. Oh, privacy. my gosh. There's a privacy yeah. policy update. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. They basically have the GDPR in. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, general privacy directive. Yes, that was it. Yeah, and that was a European law that came into effect. But now basically if you're in California and you have like market to California residents, it's it's a lot of California stuff. But you yeah. have to like be really mm-hmm. careful about your privacy. Oh wow. Yeah. And there was like oh, three wow. others. I'm like, okay, I need to look into this more, yeah. start doing my research and seeing what I need to add into our contract now because of these new laws passing in twenty twenty. So I think that's, that's why thing. it's so important to have someone like Caroline or if there's someone specific in your state that can make a contract for you because yeah, this is – we did not – none of us went to law school, you yeah. know, as photo booth owners. I mean, I, I know there's like some that did and are now photo booth owners, but for the majority of us, we have not had that background and it's not something to mess around with. Well, I couldn't print photos or take photos or put – Yeah. Well, that's so. why we hire you and you hire us <laughs> exactly. when you need a photo booth. We all have our strengths, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's why we, I mean, we've talked about this, but that's why we wanted to have Caroline on because, you know, she's doing us a huge favor in providing this knowledge, you know, and we all kind of like help each other and yeah. whatever industry we're in, we all support each other. And yeah. yeah, it just helps us all have better businesses. It does. It's a big love circle. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. It's awesome. Definitely. So before we start the Q&A, I did have um, one thing, maybe maybe two things that I kind of wanted to touch on. Yeah. Um, just to kind of like give people almost a sample of why it's so important to have a contract written by a lawyer. You know, as a photographer for years and years and years and now photo booth owner, I actually had no idea. You know, it's crazy because you think when you write something in your contract, you're like, hey, cool, I'm covered. But really, (laughs) it actually depends on how you word it. Yeah. And like you just said, whether the judge at that point will determine whether it's like actually clear for the client or not. So two things that I think um, stood out that I just wanted to use as like a taste for someone who, you know, just sharing knowledge like I had no idea um, until I talked. I I think I heard one of them from someone else and then you told me one of them. Um, One of them is non-refundable retainer. Whether it is actually refundable Mm -hmm. and there's a way to word it and have a clause in there that makes it, you know, maybe it's not going to be concrete non-refundable, but it'll at least like help the judge kind of understand why you want it to be non-refundable. Yeah. That's a big one. Because like – It's a common misconception. It's really common misconception. And it's – interestingly enough, like you would think that when people sign contracts, you want them to be stuck in that contract. Like it's actually the opposite. Right. People like the justice system wants people to be able to get in and out of contracts freely, which makes no sense as a small business owner, but that's neither here nor there. We work with what we got to do. So it's making those non-refundable deposits, non-refundable retainers. Well, it also makes sense. Like if you're on one side, like let's say you're on my side and let's say one of my clients was on, they had a lawyer and they're on the opposite side. That lawyer is going to try to find whatever hole in your contract You know, and that's why it's so important to have an actual contract written by an actual lawyer. For sure. For sure. Because the the magic words, quote unquote magic words, that we like to see are liquidated damages. Yeah. Um, And it just kind of perks. And like, do you need to have magic words or magic words really a thing? It's like, no, but like that's going to 
be something that a judge recognizes in a worst case scenario and be like, and he's like, oh, I know what that means. Like, oh. yeah, um, I understand why you have this in your contract. Yeah. You're not just like, hey, you gave me money. I don't feel like giving it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and we say, we set it up. We say like, this is to compensate them for taking this date off their calendar. Right. For turning clients down potentially. Clients down. It's a missed business opportunity. So right. So you have to kind of set up the house of cards so that if it does fall, it falls right. Right. So that's, that's really important. And that's something that it's not foolproof, but not it foolproof. definitely helps. It definitely helps. And that's a question that I get every time I go anywhere. Like, right. how do I do this? How do I do this? And it's because you're booking two years, you know, a year out, two right. years out, mm-hmm. six months out, however many weeks out, yeah. it's you're still taking time off your calendar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So in that case, what term should you be using in our contract? Is it non-refundable, like down payment, retainer? Because I've heard many things. Um, I know for this year here in California, at least everyone was saying, you know, make sure it's retainer and it's non-refundable because Mm -hmm. they're not getting that money back. Like don't say deposit. Don't say deposit. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of like back and forth about it. And honestly, I don't think that there's like one specific be all end all way, but I like to use (laughs) non-refundable Recently, I've been using non-refundable retainer a lot more because, again, that is language that an old white guy judge is going to know as yeah. a lawyer. He's going to say like, oh, I know what a retainer is and that's non-refundable. Like mm-hmm. that's just to get somebody's services and just to book them. So, okay, that that makes sense to me. So yeah. it's literally just like appeasing them. So I've been using non-refundable retainer as liquidated damages. Like, and that's okay. a mouthful. But it's you're kind of throwing all those words that have a meaning. Which they'll understand. That they're going to get. In a creative business that they don't understand. Exactly. When they're just like, oh, it's a one-day thing. I just signed a check and like my my daughter got married and then (laughs) it's off into the sunset. Yeah, exactly. So it's they're not going to go to until you like explain it in their language. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the second part that you had actually kind of taught me that it it does make sense and I totally get it. When we were making my contract – you know, we were kind of talking about the term unlimited prints. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, okay, but how do I, you know, navigate unlimited prints? Because on one hand, I want the client to be able to be like, okay, every single person that wants a print that comes through gets a print. And if they want an extra for grandma, they're going to get an extra for grandma. <laughs> if they want 10 extra ones, okay. <laughs> but – I just try to think ahead and I like to think of worst case scenario. Same. And I was 60. (laughs) Exactly. I was thinking, okay, let's pretend like I got a client that was coming through all night and they're like, oh, you said unlimited. Like how, how many can you print? Like print that many. And then they want to just like pass them out. Like, I don't know who would. Yeah. I don't know who. Exactly. There you go. I was going to say, I don't know who would want to do that, but that makes sense. Like what if, what if my bride and groom, we're like, hey, we get unlimited prints. Can you just um, print, you know, want, can you print 100, you know? So mm-hmm. we were kind of navigating how to word the word unlimited. So I was like, can we say unlimited, you know, and then say one unlimited means one print per person. With, like, with an exclusion or something yeah. of like say X, Y, and Z. Exactly. And Caroline pointed out, she's like, you can't say unlimited and then it not truly be unlimited. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I'm a buzzkill. I'm such a buzzkill. Yeah. Kill. No, but it, it was really helpful because You're I was bad just, guy. <laughs> I was just asking, I was like, how do we just make sure that I'm not having to give a million prints out? Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. I think we ended up saying, you know, as a reference, the printer can do about 75 prints per hour. Right. So it's like, I can physically only print that many before it'll just shut down, which was at least helpful. But I think that's good to know because we are in a world where unlimited prints is like our number one selling point. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a really good, I guess, learning experience for me. Yeah. And that was a brain twister for me too because like I did want to be able to say like – because I know that that's important. Yeah. People don't want to feel limited. They want to be like, oh, but there's – If you say one print per person, the client's going to hear that. And literally if you say unlimited prints and really everyone's getting one per person – it, it's just different in their head. Yeah, it really it's is. It's all about perception. And as like a recently engaged kind of looking at Yeah, stuff congratulations, now, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, just hearing that, I'm trying to make mental notes of all this stuff. Yeah. Like here, hearing one per person versus unlimited prints. Like right. I know, I know what that means, but I'm still right. like, oh, unlimited prints, that's great. You know? Yeah. So for marketing, marketing and legal butt heads constantly. So right. it's just like trying to, again – wade through that water right like figure it out the best way we can and having a words, professional to help you do it or at least a professional that will like try and figure it out with you yeah so this is a question that we got that has been on my mind as well um i'm kind of dealing with this situation right now um where for instance we get a bride or groom and we send the contract and she's like oh hey my aunt is gonna pay for it should we be getting the aunt to sign the contract themselves or should the bride or groom be signing? How how do you go about when it's multiple clients in that case? I guess, you know, her she's paying for the service technically, but it is for the bride and groom. So what signature should be placed on the contract? And before Caroline dives into this, I just want to say sign up for her newsletter because she just covered this in her (laughs) newsletter and I love it. I read her email newsletter is top to bottom and they they are so insightful. Oh my God, you're the best. You made me, you validate my life. Um, Yeah, it is really funny when you're saying that. I was like giggling to myself over here because I literally just wrote You did. It was your last one that went out. It was my last one that went out. That's so funny. Um, So technically what you're trying to do is you're trying to have a third party payer situation Mm-hmm. Because you want your client to be your couple, right? You know, like you want yeah. them making the decisions. You want to be working with them, but someone else is just coming in and paying for it. Um, you don't mm-hmm. want the aunt or you know, great aunt Mildred who doesn't have taste, who doesn't know that, like, yeah. yes, giant lobster claws are fun to have in a photo booth. Yeah. Um, you don't want having her- like the final say. Yeah, exactly. So what you want to do is have a third party payer agreement and payer is sometimes spelled pay or so P-A-Y-E-R or P-A-Y-O-R. Um, it just is going to kind of depend on, it'll depend on the way that they write it in. It means the same thing. Um, so what that agreement says is essentially, Hey, this contract is between me, the photo booth company and the client who is the couple. Mm-hmm. However, we are going to have great Aunt Mil- Mildred kind of like tap in and just pay for stuff. She has no yeah. rights under the contract. She has no, um, op- you know, her only obligation is to pay. And if she doesn't pay the bride and the groom, bride and bride, groom, groom, whoever, you're still on the hook to pay for the services. So it's Got literally it. just like tap in, swipe your credit card, leave. 
Um, yeah. Otherwise, Gray and Mildred might have rights under the contract. There might be something called, you know, there, there might be like a pseudo contract in place. We don't really know. So that's why it's really, really important to get that third party payer agreement. And then it's also important because you will have the mod release from the couple that then you can turn around and use to post stuff on your Instagram. Yeah. Got it. Awesome. And okay. you, you do offer the third party pair agreement in we your do. contract shop. We do have one of those. Yeah. So you can awesome. purchase one there. Yeah. You can go, go hit us up. It'll be cool. waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so our next question, you know, is talking about how should you have people sign the contract and this is something that we went over in my contract I was asking you know if you have a business and someone let's say a holiday party and someone in the business maybe the you know front desk person is also planning the holiday party you know do you have her sign on behalf of the company or should you be asking the owner to sign and if you know it's if it's the first one how do you go about that do you have you know, so-and-so on behalf of, or do you need a, you know, actual formal written agreement that they are allowed to be the, you know, the signing agent? How do you navigate that? How do you even ask for that? Yeah. It's kind of tricky because you don't ever want to be like, you're not important enough to sign this contract, but like, you need to know if they have the authority to sign it. Especially if they get fired or laid off and then they sign your contract and then guess what? You're out. Like they don't have to pay you. Or even go to a different office, you know? Yeah, that too. And that's actually happened to a photographer client of mine, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they were like, who are you? And she was like, um, Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Right. So it's really important to – the higher up you can go, the better. Um, One way to phrase this to your, like, you know, event coordinator or whatever is just be like, hey, we really need somebody in the C-suite or we really need somebody um, who has signing authority on behalf of the company. So that a lot of times for like your Fortune 500s is going to be head of a department, a VP, somebody like that, and you can get get their signature. Now, would you put it in their name or would you say so-and-so on behalf of? Yeah. So what you're going to want to have them do is you're going to want to say, have it signed like the company. So I'm just going to say company LLC. So you have your, your signature block where it says company LLC by or on behalf of, and then you have that person's name Mm -hmm. and they're going to sign it. You'll write their name so that you can actually like, you know, read it because everyone knows you can't read a signature. So you'll have their name typed out. Then you'll have their title underneath of it. Okay. And then that shows like, okay, it's this organization, but it's being signed by this person on behalf of the organization and here's their title. And then also it's really important in that contract to have a clause about the person signing has been granted authority on behalf of the organization. They represent and warrant, which is also like kind of like a legal right magic word there legal jargon legal jargon yeah terms of art um they represent warrant that they have the authority to sign this Mm -hmm. and then that way if that person doesn't lied and they lied you can go back and be like hey so like you're on the hook for this right friend right Mm -hmm. that's so interesting yeah yeah you try i like that so that's important because that just makes you i've been dealing with that for christmas parties you know and we're doing one this weekend and she was finalizing all the details with me last week and she was like, hey, can you put my name and then with the company for me to sign? So she asked me to do that and I did that in our contract. So it's just really interesting to hear that because another Christmas party we did, I was going back and forth with say the girl in charge of planning the party, but I wasn't sure if she was technically allowed to sign off on anything because I was asking her like, oh, so 
who has the final say in everything, you know, even designing our templates and stuff like that. I'm like, does she have the final say or is it the actual law firm? It was actually for a law firm. Oh, God, I <laughs> so, love that. yeah, I was just kind of going back and forth with them, you know, every day leading up to their event and just trying to figure things out, you know, within that experience, I guess. So that was a first for me. And it's just really interesting to hear you saying that because it just kind of, you know, defines that clause. (laughs) Yeah. And that can be important. That can be really like, it can be important for a lot of reasons, but I think it's the most important when you're dealing with a company that may be seen that you are going back and forth a lot with, um, because if you're not centralized and you're like, Oh God, you know, what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, exactly. I always ask personally, like I'll email the client right before they're about to sign. And I said, I just really nicely kind of word it like, awesome. I'm so excited to, you know, book you all. I'm getting ready to send the contract over. I just wanted to double check who should I make the contract out to, you know, who has the authorization to sign on behalf of the company. And then they usually are like, awesome. You can make it out to me or awesome. You can make it out to the owner. And that way I I have it, you know, really laid out. So that always works for me. Good phrasing. Good phrasing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That always works. I like that. So I do have one more question. Um, when we are designing templates, how do we go about any copyright issues or anything like that and making sure we do have the rights to, you know, I guess logos on our templates and making sure we're solid in that? Absolutely. And that's such a good question because that can cause a lot of issues, especially if you're reposting stuff to um, Instagram or using in marketing materials. So I'm going to hit these kind of separately because first you have a copyright concern. So mm-hmm. if people are submitting templates or stuff for templates to you, maybe like little designs or things like that, you need to make sure that they are again, signing off on some sort of uh, indemnification saying like, yes, I own all of these. I have the right to use them and I haven't stolen them from somewhere random off the internet. Well, I guess it's also God. hard because if you work with McDonald's or Lyft or, you know, a company like that and you're working well, with – Well, I was thinking yeah. Disney. Oh, God. Exactly. <laughs> like you're working with individual agents that yeah. don't actually have any kind of ownership right. over any of the media material. Right. And so you need to make sure – and a lot of those larger companies, they will have like media kits that they can send out or they will have like clearance rights and clearances departments. Mm-hmm. That's actually what I always look for. I Google the media kits. Yeah. And a, a lot of times you can find them online. Yeah. And they'll have the specific um, color coding mm-hmm. and logo and how you ha- like how it has to be spelled and mm-hmm. things like that. And that's always worked for me. Yeah. And that's really good. You get in your contract that – you get a license to use them in relation to your services. And that's how I word it. Just like we have a license to use these images and logos in relation to the service, to the services provided. Um, And that's just something that you can kind of like throw in there because that way you are getting a copyright license so that there's no like copyright infringement or, you know, Mm -hmm. you're making sure that they have the rights to actually use it. And then on the flip side, you're getting the right to use a logo, which any sort of trademark issue can really ratchet up, you know, legal issues very, very quickly in costs. So I always get, it's almost a model release for a logo. Like if you think about it that way. It sounds like a model release yeah. for, you know, graphics. Yeah. And it is, and especially if you're working with a big company like Disney, Disney's very intense about protecting their I've IP. heard, I, I, I was doing <laughs> a, an event um, for just like a, like a Star Wars premiere, cool. but it was a private, it, it was almost like if you invited me to attend and like you had booked out 
like a whole theater for everyone. Yeah, to just like enjoy. Um, we actually have a friend that does it. And I offered to do our photo booth for him because he always like throws out this big, you know, he rents out a couple theaters and he's like, come, it's on me. It's in a bistro. It's so awesome. And so, and yeah, in exchange, I have always offered to do the photo booth because he makes everyone dress up and it's really fun. But um, Disney has such like strict rules that it was really hard finding a place in Cine Bistro for me to set up because ideally we're at the Star Wars premiere. We would love to set up in front of the, you know, the the cardboard cutouts that they have and that kind of thing. You're not allowed. Yeah. You are not allowed to set up in front of anything they've displayed. Like it's crazy. Like and using their logo and everything. And that in situations like that are also why it's really important to have like a house rules clause where it's like you may have have all these grand yeah girl I know I got because you made my (laughs) you have all these like grand ideas your clients do about what they want and what they want in the photo booth and what all this but at the end of the day yeah at the end of the day like Disney is Disney will find you they're hardcore hardcore, (laughs) so you have to make sure that they know you have to abide by all the rules and just because you're abiding by rules doesn't mean that they can be like well I'm not paying you now right Yeah, I've actually seen even in some photo booth groups out here, um, people just using either Disney. There was one recently with the Grinch for Christmas and they were told you need to not do this. If if you do move forward with this event, we will have rights to take action and stuff like that. So they had to redesign the whole template. So there was a Grinch at the event and they couldn't even use that. So just be careful in everything that you do. You People know, get like really serious. Sure, yeah. yeah, make sure everything is approved by the person you are working with, and just make sure that you're you know you're safe in all of this. Because I see it all the time, especially right now. You know, there's just so much happening for Christmas. So when it comes to like trademarks and stuff like that, um, we're just talking about, you know, Disney and all that. But like when it comes to characters or even the logo or in anything, the fonts or whatever it is, they're all trademarked, right? So what does it mean to trademark something for someone that doesn't know? Yeah, to trademark something, it's essentially you're protecting the brand. Uh, the way that I break it down, because it, it's a lot more complicated than it is, and so I'm really going to simplify it, but copyrights are to protect art, music, writings, Um, They kind of just protect your creative stuff. Trademarks are going to be protecting the brand. They are like, they're a source indicator at their very, very core. So if you see a swoosh, you know, it's from Nike, you know, certain things about that brand Mm -hmm. working with trademarks. They're kind of commercial just at, at their core. Again, they're commercial. So the consequences of trademark infringement can be a lot greater, uh, just because, people have to enforce trademarks to keep them. Um, So that's why a lot of the characters Disney has created, they have actually trademarked. So that's why they are, are one of the reasons they are so zealous in going after people who are using them. Yeah. Right. Because if like, let's say like to make sure I understand this right. And we've had you know, you, Caroline, you and I, you and I have had conversations about trademarks briefly in the past, so I have a little bit of understanding from that. But let's say that you know someone did use one of the characters. Isn't there like a certain amount of time that can pass where, in that area, they can potentially begin to like own that character or that idea, like in that area, kind of? 
So it's if you kind of do it before. So if you if okay, you so they have, have to have used it before, before, and then they're kind of allowed to own it. But if you trademark, they can't go out of that yeah. area that they're in. Right. So the way that I try to describe it to people is like if you are pretend that it's like nineteen twenty, and <laughs> you have decided you have made a um Winnie video, the Pooh, a Winnie the Pooh, a video of a bear named Winnie the Pooh. That's Disney, right? That's Disney. Right? Yeah. yeah, it is. So you have <laughs> yeah. made a Buffalo nickel projector right. video animation of this little bear named Winnie the Pooh. And you are in the state of Alabama. Right. And so you have mm-hmm. shown people in Alabama your Winnie the Pooh video and everything's great and fine and dandy. Um, but then Disney comes along whenever they do their thing in the 80s or 90s, whenever. No, it was the 50s. Was it really? Oh my God. I thought it, no, yeah. I thought it was the 30s. It, I, whenever it was. It was before that, but Disneyland opened in 1950. No, but when they started making characters. Yeah. Yeah, it was in like the 30s, I think. 1923. 1923. Dang. In 1923, when, when Disney went. <laughs> so three years after. Three years after you. <laughs> in Alabama. In Alabama. <laughs> um, where you, you are essentially, there is a big jar. Imagine yeah. the, the world is like a jar. Mm-hmm. You have dropped your little ping pong ball into the jar, and that's your rights in the state of Alabama. If Disney comes along and they say like, oh, we've created this Winnie the Pooh character, and we wanted to like copyright it and trademark it and all that kind of stuff, and we're going to get buck wild, they then pour sand over in the jar and cover you up and cover every little crevice that you have not already inhabited. So they get all those rights where the sand is. You can maintain wow. your rights in that ping pong ball in your little area yeah. that you've already got, but they're coming along after you and saying like, okay, you might be here, but we're everywhere else. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And another question really quick, you can be brief with this, but I just wanted to ask this because I know there's photo booth owners out there as well that have say the city in their name where it's, say, Coachella photo booth or, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. Atlanta photo booth. Or how do you go about having a photo booth with a city name? Like, is the city trademarked in any way? Like, you know, is that another yeah. huge thing that you're having to deal with? This is where SEO and legal hate each other. Um, so yeah. technically, technically, you really can't trademark that. That's generic. Um, I would, I would argue it's generic at worst and then which is never copyrightable and then descriptive at best which takes a lot you have to show a, or sorry trademarkable I just misspoke but or it's descriptive which takes a lot of work to show that it is protectable and most of the time it's not and you're not going to be able to like force people to not use it because in trademark you want to be distinctive like that's what you want to do mm-hmm. you want to make sure when people see something they associate you only with that um, as opposed to SEO where you want to be like what people are Googling for. Like you want to be as distinctive as possible. So I steer people away from that as much as possible because it is very, very, very difficult to protect, almost impossible to get a trademark over. And then like you have people kind of piggybacking off of your goodwill and all of the like Mm -hmm. brand equity that you've developed. So there is a company out here. We're actually friends with them. They're amazing they're so cool um their coachella photo party mm-hmm. um i know that they were dealing with coachella themselves where they said that they were going to sue them because coachella was in their name mm-hmm. and they said to 
Coachella. <laughs> they said, no, sorry, we actually went out and I guess it was trademarked before Coachella even became Coachella, mm-hmm. the event. <laughs> yeah. So they actually had rights before them. Wow. Is Coachella, so Coachella like an area? Yes, it's a city. Okay, I don't live in California, yeah, we so had no, I had no, idea. no I one like, laugh at me. <laughs> I, I just thought it was like something that someone made. Same. So, I thought it was like a field. Right. It, it is a field. It's a field of palm But I thought trees, someone just and, named it that. I didn't know it was like no. an actual place. <laughs> it's an actual like city destination spot location, you know. So it's Coachella, California. Huh. And so when Coachella became an event, it's in Coachella. And I guess they trademarked their name. But Coachella Photo Party had their that name trademarked before Coachella even trademarked theirs. Wow. So when they tried to attack them or, you know, sue them <laughs> for yeah. those rights, they said, oh, no, hold the phone. Here you go. And they sent them um, their trademark okay. and proof of, yeah, that they had proof of their name being in ex- existence before Coachella became Coachella. But could they like technically cool. have sued them if it is a place? Yeah. So that's – okay. So we're getting into like real, real technical stuff here. So <laughs> you have like – so Coachella <laughs> Photo Party, that's different mm-hmm. than Coachella Photo Booth would be because okay. we have like – Exactly. Photo Party, like that's very different. That's- so that's – is that more kind of like the photographer versus the photo booth kind of thing? Is it like – what are you saying? So Photo Party is not – that's – not as that's not generic it's probably not even descriptive it's a in this like hierarchy of protectiveness that's like up more and that's more protectable because that's more distinctive like a photo party okay. is very different than a photo booth a photo booth is what you call a photo booth like right that's what it is right photo party yeah. that just kind of suggests like this is a really fun thing to do like this is really cool mm-hmm. right a photo party could they force them to stop using the word coachella to describe something from Coachella that's a place? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be a really interesting court battle to see. And we'd have to kind of look at that just because of the notoriety of Coachella. You have these brands that become like uber famous, like Mm -hmm. Google or – And so they get – once you reach that status of like like everyone knows you, you kind of get like this special status. But I don't know if Coachella's there yet. I mean, for our age and our mm-hmm. age group, yeah, they are. But like right. for our parents, they'd be like, let's go tell her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it would just be interesting to see. I would – I mean, I would be on the side of the photo booth saying like this is a descriptive place because like Coachella is not champagne. Here's an example. Right. Champagne is a trademark of Champagne, France. It is very mm-hmm. specific to like yeah. you can only call yourself champagne if you are from Champagne, France. I don't know if – Coachella's at champagne level yet. Um, that would be an interesting fight to have. And at the end of the day, I like to steer people away from that just so we're not having these conversations and having to stress about them. You know, yeah, I'm just like, exactly. if you are just, just do your SEO right. And just, you know, mm-hmm. so you can take advantage of all those good things, but pick a brand name that's distinctive and then we won't have to fight about it. So before we end any final recommended, you know, clauses or just anything you can think of maybe just like one or two more things for photo booth owners without going into specifics because you sell your contracts for them to buy (laughs) but just things that are like don't forget this and if you buy my contract I have it all laid out for you true this is true um I would say always make sure you've got something about damage damage to equipment yeah 
liability that if their guests are drunk and knock stuff over or right. like decide to incredible hulks and props, right? Are responsible. For <laughs> that has those. happened to Sarah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People were like biting her props and stuff. Oh, oh rip them apart on purpose. <laughs> Drunk people are weird. Yeah. I don't, whatever. That was a crazy wedding. That was a crazy wedding. Oh my god! Yeah, and weddings, people. It's like a frat party for the right. yeah. for the thirties and forties set. So, right. so having something about damages and they have to cover that. Um, what happens if there is a force majeure event? You know, what happens if yeah, there's a flood, a mm-hmm. fire, a, a hurricane, something beyond acts of God, yeah. acts of the universe, not lightning or something for an outdoor thing. Yeah, but right. Like, what if you are putting? What if you getting to that event is going to put you in danger? Right. Or even in our case in California, you know, what if an earthquake were to or happen? A fire. And you guys get like real yeah. fires. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, happens, exactly. What happens to the deposit? Because, like, you could have done another event in a different area that didn't have fires. You retainer. Know? Like, retainer, oh, Caroline. Yeah, retainer, God. <laughs> um, so those are really important. Those are the ones that I kind of – especially this time of year because we're in hurricane season in the south, so we're coming out of it. But um, I like to really push those on people. But I just – the more specific you can get, the more layers you can peel back, the better. Just keep trying to be an onion. For me, the one thing I wanted to say – you know, and I've had this since my photography contract, you know, we just did the episode on online galleries and having something about the online galleries, you know, how long can they expect it to be up? When can they expect it to be delivered? And what happens after they download if their computer crashes or catches on fire or (laughs) gets lost in a flood? Are you responsible for allowing them to have another download? You know, things like that. It's so important to think about. Yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like when you just give them kind of like those rules or guidelines of what to expect. I know Caroline was saying that earlier. You know, they have it in their head of like just this perfect experience, you know, and things can happen, you know. And even in your case, you know, having a baby or things like that, you know, where some things might be delayed because of life, you know, and that is okay. But just knowing when they can expect those things, you know, and that we deliver every single time as well. You know, I think that's just very important as photo booth owners that people could, you know, trust in us and believe in us and, you know, they are supporting our small little business. So if we just make sure we're always, you know, sticking to those clauses that we are putting in our contract and stuff like that, I think it just helps with the client experience like you were saying, Katie. So I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much, Caroline, for coming on and talking with us about contracts. It was so nice meeting you virtually. I can't wait to meet you in person. We would love to hear from our listeners. If you have any follow-up questions, you can sign up for Caroline's monthly email newsletter where she talks about all things law and everything important that we need to know. And Caroline, let our listeners know where they can find you and we will be linking your information in episode notes. So be sure to check out her website and social links. Absolutely. You can find a, you can find me at www.engagelegal.com. And you can also find um, us on Instagram at Engage Legal. I try to like get on there and, and drop some quips yeah. daily, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sign up for the newsletter because like I said, she does that monthly. You know, we talked about that earlier and it's really insightful. 
And you also provide workbooks that people can purchase, which are super affordable. And I've bought, I think I bought one. Yeah. The partnership workbook. Yeah, Yeah. It was awesome. Okay. So just so you guys know, though, everything that I'm saying is kind of coming from this generalized perspective of, of general trends of law. So Remember that I'm a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer unless you're paying me. So just right. keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. Even if you buy the contracts. Yeah. You that's, know. That's it's through a educational resource, not a law firm. Yes. But they are written by a lawyer. True. So they're definitely going to be way more, you know, solid and have the legal you know, Mind. verbiage, yeah, that you need versus if you wrote it yourself. <laughs> or if you find something like on the internet, people are like, right. oh, my friend gave me this. And I'm like, oh. no. Yeah. So at least it's written by someone that has the legal knowledge in the background. Yeah. But it is important to think about things for your state. And I guess, you know, if you did buy a contract from anyone, you know, especially if you get it online, you need to make sure that it is specific for your state and that you do have, you know, I guess things that are yeah, relevant to that. Things. Taking it into somebody, just finding a lawyer in your area yeah. that knows all those things. Yeah. But it's a great starting place. It is. Templates are a great starting place because the barrier to entry is a lot It's lower. so much better than having A, nothing, or B, like I said, one that you wrote yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Caroline, for coming on. And we do have a discount code for you guys. If you are wanting to purchase any templates from Caroline's website, um, she'll give you the code and you can get a little bit of a discount on that. Yeah, if you need a contract template, we have them for you, launched specifically actually for this podcast episode. So it is code CPBP, Creative Photo Booth Podcast Initials, just FYI, and you can get 20% off. Awesome. Also, don't forget to join in our daily conversations by joining our Facebook group, the Creative Photo Booth Podcast, where we are always extending the conversation for like-minded photo booth owners and you guys can create a community conversation and help each other out. As always, don't forget to review and subscribe to the podcast. It keeps our conversations going every other week, and we can't wait to see you guys on the next episode. Thanks again for coming on, Caroline. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Every Booth, manufacturers of the world's most luxurious photo booths. Every Booth designs wooden photo booths for event professionals who want to create a premium and unique photo booth experience. Their photo booths are beautiful, practical, and built to last. They not only sell high quality models, they help you learn how to market your photo booth effectively and grow your photography business. We are so excited to share the Every Booth brand with you all as we love their company, their mission, and all of their products. Every Booth will be launching their light model in 2020 with an easier setup than ever before. The light model is designed with a wedding photographer and busy event professional in mind. It takes just one minute to set up with no tools required. Its features include a light portable photo booth chassis with a professional DSLR mirrorless camera, a rear slideshow, and a sharing screen. It's also battery powered with up to six hours of battery life. How cool is that? You just set it up, switch it on, and go. Be sure to check out Every Booth and their premium photo booth models and backdrops in the episode description below. That's a wrap on the Creative Photo Booth Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and download so we can keep this conversation going. 
We want to hear from you. So send us an email at creativephotoboothpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be taking questions and requests. So let us know if there's a topic you want to hear. Until then, we'll see you next Thursday.